Hello, and welcome to the Philosophical Angle Podcast with your host, author Chris Angle. Hi, this is the Philosophical Angle Program, and I'm your host, Chris Angle. I'm the author of four books on philosophy, one of which is The Philosophical Equations of Economics. And uh, with me is my co-host and colleague, Rick Samuelson. He's a venture capitalist out on the West Coast. He graduated from Yale and Wharton, and uh, it's good to see you, Rick. And you. The purpose of the Philosophical Angle is to examine the nature of concepts being used in current media. And this week, we've, uh, we're going to talk about immigration policy. That's the concept, and the application is going to be uh, really for the United States and really for any nation at all. Um, and with, uh, with regard to, uh, to, uh, to immigration policy, I'm going to refer to uh, a couple weeks ago an infamous remark by President Trump on uh, certain, uh, certain scatological nations. Uh, a uh, Democrat says that uh, he made this remark, and some of the Republicans at this meeting said he didn't make the remark, and, and the President says he didn't make the remark, so, uh, so who knows? Uh, well, I guess nobody actually knows, and it's unsubstantiated. But nevertheless, the media has is abound with uh, was abound with comments over this remark, and uh, concluding that Donald Trump is a racist over over, over this remark. And uh, we're going to assume that the remark is is real for the, for today's conversation, uh, as it was in the news everywhere. And and it's it's a it's a virtual statement, uh, whether or not it, he actually made it. So. Uh, uh, so we're going to assume that the president said that Haiti is equivalent to a to a hole filled with excrement, and uh, and and uh, and has anybody ever actually in all this hubbub uh, refuted this statement? The president uh, also referred to Norway and Asia uh, in making the remark um, uh, that United States should bring in people from those areas in, in, instead. So most people think that. It was just Norway, but actually he said Norway and Asia. But very, uh, but very few people immigrate from Norway. And if we take a look at, at further at the results of, of what these uh, different countries and different areas uh, of the world produce, it causes one to wonder. For example, one country, Norway, produces a beautiful, a beautiful uh, civilization. And the other one, Haiti, is a disaster. Uh, a Asia is, is quite productive, and uh, well, as Africa is not, and and it's true. There's no question about it. Uh, let, let's let's take let's take uh, you know we we've got we can just bring up pictures, and uh, anybody can bring up pictures, and here's 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 one of Haiti. It's a, it's a, it's a it's a total disaster. Here's one of Norway. Beautiful. So, uh, but the mainstream media says that we must look to the to the implications of, of President Trump's statement, uh, and if we do that, we can conclude that President Trump is is a racist, in spite of the fact that the statement is is true. And, and uh, but uh, but here we'd like to examine two aspects of of, of this statement. First is the conclusion, uh, it, it, we're going to ask, is the conclusion a, a valid one? Um, may anyone conclude that President Trump is a racist from, from his statement? 
and the second question is, is the whole is that this whole conversation brings up is why uh, that is uh, why is it that two countries can be so diametrically opposed in production of well-being for its citizens? Um, Haiti's such a basket case. Uh, and uh, why does a country like Norway or Western Europe or United States or, or North America or Japan or, or, or Korea, uh, why do they produce great civilizations? And, and why the dichotomy? Uh, is it something inherent uh, inside the, the person? Uh, if that were true, it would make it a racist statement. Or is it something else? And uh, uh, so we're going we're gonna to ask why and we're going to examine this. Um, and if we just take a, a quick look at the numbers, it appears that uh, Donald Trump and the U.S. government could be called racist because evidently they're, they're, they're white haters. Uh, it, it appears the United States uh, brings in over 20,000 people from Haiti and only 400 people or so from, uh, from Norway. So on the surface of the numbers, uh, we're racist, all right. Uh, we're anti-white bigots. Uh, looks like we only like uh, whites, or we only like blacks, and, and we don't like whites. So I, I think President Trump is pointing out uh, there is a need for a merit-based system of immigration. And, 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 we, and, and, he, and he did that also last night at the, uh, the State of the Union address. Uh, we need to bring in people that fill the needs of, of the United States first, uh, the U.S. immigration policy should be filled with the, the priorities of, of, of its nation first, uh, of, of this nation first, and, and it, it seems like a, a pragmatic approach and, and perfectly sensible. Uh, I thought last night's speech was, was, was perfectly spot on to, uh, uh, on that point. But the uh, liberal Democrats would say that this is uncompassionate, that is hateful. And that we'd say that they would say that we need to bring in the poor from other countries to help them out because uh, this is what uh, this is what America is, as as President Obama used to like to uh, point out, and he would often say that uh, these are our values. Uh, American values are are to help the poor, as as they always refer to this poem at the at the foot of the uh, of the uh, Statue of Liberty. Of uh, of course. Uh, uh, this poem is uh, that's often cited has nothing to do with the Statue of Liberty. It's uh, Statue of Liberty was given to us by France, to, and it was uh, uh, to represent the liberty uh, that American that America presents to the world. Not any particular immigration policy that the American nation uh, should follow. And uh, so we need to ask, what should be the policy? And not only for the United States, but what should be the policy of immigration uh, uh, for immigration for any nation throughout the world? All nations throughout the world. Uh, the United States is no different from any other nation. Uh, it's got an immigration policy and every other country does too. And, and why should the United States be any different from any other nation on earth? So uh, how, do we, uh, how do we determine how, what any nation uh, immigration policy should be? Well, in order to understand the relationship uh, between a nation and its immigration policy, uh, we need to establish that societies need government and what is the purpose of government. Uh, James Madison uh, famously said in the Federalist Papers that if men were angels, there'd be no need for a government. Uh, and uh, so it is. So when a society of individuals try to 
cooperate with each other to produce goods and services uh, to bring the individuals up away from misery and, and to produce goodness for their lives and for society, they, they, in, they invariably decide that a government is needed in order to formulate laws and, uh, and regulations by which society will operate and produce its goods and services. It will produce uh, its, its rules and regulations for use in, in various concerns such as immigration, international trade, tort law, contract law, criminal law, and, and any other uh, area where it's needed. But the purpose of, of, of all of it is, is to further the cooperation of the individual constituents uh, uh, in the society under which the government is, uh, is, uh, is promoting these rules and regulations. And with the, the laws and regulations of government, the individuals are, are empowered with, the, with a smooth running society enabling them to further the efficiency of the production of their goods and service, which brings goodness into their lives. And uh, these, uh, these societies of individuals uh, do it in a common language. So everybody understands everything equally. It's, it's, a nation has to have a single language so that they can cooperate and uh, live together efficiently uh, and, and produce those, uh, those regula- uh, those, uh, and when, when it produces regulations and laws, it has to be done in a, uh, in, under a, a, a one language so everybody has a, a chance to understand them equally. And the, 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 the laws and regulations uh, extend out to a certain region uh, and uh, and this is its, uh, this is uh, the border of the nation, and so uh, and and together, voila, you you have a nation. A nation is an area with a, uh, a continuous border, a unifying language, uh, a certain culture, which is the sum production of its go- goods and services, and uh, and its behavior. So that's what culture is. It's uh, it's what you produce, and uh, it's uh, and physically what you produce your goods, your services, and your 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 uh, your cooperative behavior. Uh, as a as a famous talk show host uh, around the nation says, uh, it's your borders, language, and and culture, and so that's pretty simple and clear enough. And so. Any nation with its borders, language, and culture produces its goods and services with its unifying language within a certain border to benefit the nation in, in general and to benefit the individual constituents uh, of, the, of the societal nation. So the first uh, purpose of a, of a nation is to benefit the individuals of society and, and their production of goods and services, which are consumed by its constituents uh, uh, to better their lives and uh, bring them up away from misery. So as uh, immigration policy is, uh, is part of the, the laws and regulations of any society, of any nation, the, the immigration policy should be necessi- necessarily uh, must be for the good of the nation. And, and so uh, when there's an argument about immigration policy, it must first take into account the benefit of, of uh, the, the, the constituents of, the, of that nation. But of course, a, a liberal says that we must have compassion for others, and that's fine. Uh, every society may have uh, uh, compassion for those outside of its society, 
but it is obligatory to consider the constituents of the nation first. And if there's a will to, co be, to be compassionate to others outside of the nation, it may place that policy into effect, but it must not override or come into competition with the policy, uh, with the, the nation's policy, uh, which is commensurate with the interests of the nation, which are, are prime and, and, and foremost. So, uh, well, and if the immigration ensues, uh, if the argument ensues between a conservative and a liberal over the immigration policy, the argument must becomes basically a consideration of the nation and its constituents versus the will to help others outside of the policy and, and to what degree and, and to how far do you go with that. And um, so, uh, and this can be answered if we take a look at biology. Uh, there's a subsection of biology called ecology and to help us under the extent uh, to which uh, a nation may go to uh, as a society uh, in its compassion for others, uh, there in uh, we can refer to ecology in something known as uh, a caring capacity. Uh, in other words, um, a, the caring capacity of any ecological system is the ability of the system uh, to take in foreign effluence uh, or foreign influence or foreign uh, matter uh, such as pollution or a new arrival of a, a new species or, or whatever it is that is the outside factor and has not yet changed the ecological system. If, if the system is fragile, the carrying capacity is very low. And obviously if uh, the system is robust, uh, the carrying capacity is very high in, the, in, the, in any ecological system. So a government in, uh, immigration policy should be constructed in the same manner. Uh, and uh, when considering the amount of compassion it should have for others outside of a societal nation which which has uh, which are not doing well, uh, which President Trump so eloquently pointed out, uh, the nation must consider its immigration caring capacity. And in considering that caring capacity, the nation must uh, consider the, the two types of immigration. Uh, that is merit-based, and uh, compassionate-based. Uh, so the answer to, it, to this conundrum uh, is uh, we should construct a merit-based system as the primary system, uh, and the primary system of our immigration, and secondly, uh, to extend that, uh, uh, that, uh, that compassion part for others who, uh, up to a point that, do not, that, that does not disrupt the caring capacity of our of our society, and its uh, and its uh, culture and its economy. Um, so uh, let's ask Rick about what he thinks about uh, immigration policy for the, for the U.S. and and elsewhere. Rick, what do you think? Well, the first point I'd make is the the, um, the type of policy that um, merit-based policy that Trump is proposing is the norm in the world. It's not the exception. We are the exception. That, that's point number one. Um, there are very few countries that don't have merit-based immigration uh, standards. Um, 
So, you know, the fact that we're completely off kilter in terms of harmonizing our policies with the rest of the world is probably something that should have been examined a long time ago. Uh, the second point I would make is that in terms of compassion, um, the statistics are extremely daunting in terms of, particularly with refugees, um, how many people you can help with a given sum of money by sending those resources over to that country versus bringing families here. Those ratios are often five and ten to one. Huh. Okay? So if you are truly interested in compassion, and the data is so daunting that really the, the liberal argument falls apart almost immediately, uh, then you would always, 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 always favor delivering resources, particularly into war-torn or uh, disaster-torn or whatever, poor areas, rather than bringing those residents over here, because you get, every time, vastly more bang for your buck. So compassion really isn't the issue. That's not really the issue. Um, a point number three I would make is that uh, the U.S. should be driving towards zero immigration, and here's why. Uh, if you look at South Korea, a country that was dirt poor only a couple of generations ago, what you find is that the incidence of ro robots, robotics used in South Korea, is several times that of the United States. How did that happen? It's also interesting to note that as of last year, Samsung Electronics, for the first time in history, produced more semiconductor chips than Intel. Wow. For the first time in history. A country that is not even a medium-sized country, it's a small country, that technologically has come up the curve um, only recently, only in the last 20 years, to rival Intel. This is astonishing. Um, there are also reports that Hyundai, Hyundai's technology is surpassing that of all American car manufacturers in terms, in terms of self-driving, in terms of fuel efficiency, in many areas. How is this possible? <clears throat> Korea has essentially no immigration. All right, and a very low birth rate. Um, and as a result, they have been compelled to invest in automation. And that automation is reaping rewards. Here in the United States, we have an excess of labor, even now. We still have close to 7 million underemployed people that have left the workforce. We bring in over a million immigrants every year with green cards. We produce less than two million jobs per year in a good year, right? Right. In a good year. That's a good year. Um, so how is it going to be possible that wages can ever rise in the absence of staunching 
this enormous inflow of labor. And what we have seen statistically over now a generation is that average family incomes have stagnated. That's right. And the only places um, you see in the United States where wages are rising significantly are areas where uh, unemployment is sub 3%. Otherwise, you don't see it. Right. So the argument for the, for the sake of helping existing American citizens to achieve a higher standard of living is uh, twofold. One, they will do so only through increased automation that raises productivity. And two, by cutting off this inflow of labor that forces down wages. Right. <clears throat> you will never have improving standards of living in the absence of that. If you look to California, you can see what the cutting edge of the democratic strategy is. They recently passed a law whereby anyone who applies for a driver's license is automatically registered to vote, whether they're an illegal alien, whether they're a citizen, whether they have a green card, whatever status they have. Now, why would they do that? They do it because the Democratic Party believes that its entire future rests in diluting the existing American citizenry with ever greater numbers of immigrants because they vote Democratic. That's obvious. Statistically, that is true. Uh, the ratios are generally between 70% and 90%, depending on the, the various ethnic groups. But it doesn't matter whether they're Asians or Hispanics or from Africa or wherever. Uh, they vote Democratic, overwhelmingly Democratic. And that is the cynical strategy of the Democratic Party to create, as they have done in California, insurmountable majorities in state after state after state. And that's what will be required to establish uh, big government as the ultimate model for running the country. And I would add, it just re was recently published, that California now has the highest incidence of poverty in the United States, of any state. Right. Higher than Alabama, higher than Mississippi, California is ground zero for poverty. Right. This is imported poverty. Okay. Uh, so yeah. the argument for immigration is very, any immigration actually, is very uh, dodgy at this at this point in the uh, in our industrial history. Uh, automation is proceeding apace, and we can't. If we tread water, uh, what is going to happen, and what is happening, is that particularly the Asian countries will out automate us, and will dominate worldwide markets. It is already happening. So either we do the same, or we will be left behind, and standing uh, living standards will not improve, because they will be able to produce things more cheaply, more efficiently, and of better quality. And our living standards would fall. Yes. 
Um, you know, you mentioned uh, one thing about instead of uh, importing immigration, uh, exporting uh, resources or help to to the uh, uh, target nation. Uh, and uh, right, you want to you want to talk about how what were you meaning by that? Uh, well, uh, there was a big argument uh, for bringing more of the Middle Eastern refugees over uh, to the United States. Um, and our church was considering sponsoring a family. Um, but the, the, the actual, uh, particularly from Syria, right, where they've had so many problems. Um, and originally, uh, actually Hillary Clinton favored the idea of creating a safe zone there, right? Huh? For people that had lost their homes and been, uh, you know, fled the wars and, and so on and so forth. And that idea was never taken up by President Obama. And within the context of that, this argument came out. Namely that, well, actually, the cost of setting up a safe zone, uh, and protecting those people is far less than trying to sponsor even a handful of families over here. Yeah, it sounds like a, a good program for the future of how uh, immigration actually could be, um, uh, uh, the need for immigration to be um, uh, reduced by sending help over to the other nations so that they could prosper and become wealthy like, like ourselves so that immigration would not be needed and our compassion would be could be exported instead of imported so uh, yeah it sounds like a good uh, a good good uh, subject for a future program whole argument that japan is some the economies by the way the economy is booming over in japan right now oh is that right uh, yeah uh stock market's booming uh the whole argument that because they don't have enough population growth they're not going to be able to improve their standard of living. It's just all nonsense. It's all nonsense. Huh. Because they're being forced to automate. Which car companies are losing ground worldwide? Oh, General Motors. Just ask yourself. Right. American, mo uh, uh, yeah, here in America. Yeah, and who are the least automated? Uh, probably, yeah, probably General Motors. Even the Europeans are more automated. So there's a huge benefit to having low population growth. Right. Particularly in Asia, where they don't want more people. But, you know, Americans don't get that. Korea's packed. China's horrendously packed. Right, right. So is Japan. It's just packed with people. Rick, I want to thanks for uh, thank you for your words, and uh, we'll see everybody uh, next time on The Philosophical Angle. Thank you. Thank you for joining us on the Philosophical Angle podcast. Be sure to subscribe and join us for the next installment.